This morning I want to I want to consider a question together. What if God didn't exist? What would be true or not true if there were no God? And what would that mean for us? Um, I could go a thousand different directions with this, but there are just four answers to that question that uh, I came up with this morning that I want to that I want to address and give you that the Lord led me to over the week. So, so what if there is no God? What if God didn't exist? Well, number one answer to that then is, well, then how does anything exist? If there is no God, then nothing else would exist because the world that we live in and experience, the entire universe, could not have just come from nothing. Astronomy professor Dr. Paul Davies who is not a believer in God, says, how did stupid atoms spontaneously write their own software? And he means DNA. He says, nobody knows. There is no known law of physics able to create information from nothing. If God didn't exist, then nothing else would exist, and especially it would not work. Sir Fred Hoyle, the British professor at Cambridge University, He's an astronomer, also an atheist, not necessarily a believer in God. He said, there is not the slightest evidence that any primeval soup ever existed on earth, let alone another planet. If the beginnings were not random, they must therefore have been the product of purposeful intelligence. It is big enough to bury Darwin and the whole theory of evolution. We must now admit to ourselves the probability of life arising by chance, by evolution, is the same probability of throwing six in dice five million consecutive times. Uh, A physicist physics professor at Eastern um, once told me, he said, I I know that most biology professors are still Darwinist evolutionists. He said, but I don't know a single physicist who is an an atheist. He said, there's just too much that had to be created. It could not have happened on its own. Dr. Francis Crick, this man who won the Nobel Prize for discovering DNA, which was unknown in Darwin's day when he dreamed up evolution, DNA is so complex that Dr. Crick understood that his own discovery was going to unravel evolution, that it couldn't possibly have happened over time that life evolved more and more complex because it's so complex inside a single-celled organism, it had to have all been there at once or it wouldn't exist at all. And so he said himself, a very outspoken atheist, anti-Christian in fact. He said, an honest man armed with all the knowledge available to us now could only state that in some sense the origin of life appears at the moment to be almost a miracle. So many are the conditions which would have had to been satisfied to get it going. But besides the fact that if God doesn't exist, nothing else could exist, let's just say that it does. Let's just turn our brains off and just say that, okay, the world, the universe as we know it exists, but there is no God. Let's just leapfrog all of that common sense, and let's just say that it does exist, but there is no God. So the the answer then is that there is nothing except the material world. If God doesn't exist, but there is a material world, a material world, then, then nothing exists except chemistry and physics. Hello? All of the world is made up of atoms and molecules that are chemicals that are energized, 
either with kinetic energy or electricity or they're, they're moving around. And all the biological processes and all of the astronomy and everything is just ruled by these rules and processes. And that if, if God isn't there, then that's all there is. And so that means if there's nothing else besides atoms, besides molecules and energy, that means that your thoughts and your feelings don't exist. Because you don't exist. You are only a pile of molecules that has arranged themselves into your body and your brain is producing electricity and that electricity is giving you the illusion that you are thinking or feeling anything. Seriously. If there is no God, the second question is your thoughts and feelings aren't real. That you don't exist. There is no you. It's just the material body. But you, the fact that you feel there's a you inside of this body that thinks and feels and desires things and it's all complete illusion of, of just chemistry and electronics. Yes? If God doesn't exist but material matter does, then consciousness doesn't exist. Your thoughts are chemical illusions. Your feelings are non-existent tricks played on you by electricity. That's all there can be. That's all that's, all that's there. We live in a totally fake matrix if there is no God. Remember the movie Matrix? They plug their brains in and they live in this world that's there in their brain. Except that since you're not plugged in anything... The matrix is of your own making. Hello. You are totally fooling yourself that you exist and that anything else exists. I'm saying if there is no God, then all that's real is material world. Never mind how that got here. Just, just, we'll just assume that it did. But then the next thing is, the next thing that means is that, that you're just totally making up your own reality. Which is why... Your reality clashes with some other people's often because they're in their own matrix, their own illusion of reality. If your perception of yourself and the world around you is all just chemistry and electricity, then then you aren't real. Your consciousness isn't real. Your thoughts aren't real. Your feelings aren't real. And if you aren't real, then your thoughts and feelings don't matter to anyone. There is no God that cares about you, how you think or feel, and no one else does, and no one else should. Because you're just making up your own world, and I'm making up mine. Why should anybody care about you? You do not matter at all. And when you're perception of reality clashes with someone else's perception of reality, there is no way to know who is right if there is no God. If, if there's no God who is the objective, separate, holy standard, then there is absolutely no way you can ever claim that you're right about anything. 
or that anyone else is wrong about anything. Because you're just a mass of molecules energized with some electricity and you're perceiving other chemicals out there and you have your thoughts and feelings and they have their thoughts and feelings and who cares? None of it matters because none of it's eternal and none of it's real. And you have no way to prove that what you think is right or wrong and you can't prove anybody else wrong. And you're just creating your own reality because there is no reality. And that's the world we live in, folks, is there's a bunch of people out there who, who think that they can create their own reality. I can change my gender. I can do whatever I want. I can do this and that. And, and, and there is no objective standard. There is no truth. You can't tell me I'm wrong. But I'll tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> it's amazing how that works with those folks. <laughs> um, but it's literally true. Do you, do you not know that? Do you not know people who are deluded in their perception of reality? And no matter how hard you bang heads, you're just not going to get through to them. How if there is no God, you cannot prove that you're right and they're wrong, and neither can they. It's just it's just perception of molecules and electricity. And so, if there is no God and everything is just material and there is no consciousness or reality and your thoughts and feelings aren't real in the first place, so they certainly don't matter, then there is no morality. The third answer to what if God doesn't exist, there is no basis for morality. If you aren't real, your thoughts and feelings are only chemistry and physics, then I can do whatever I want to you without any concern at all. And you can do that to me. There's no one to define what is right and wrong. Molesting children or eating your grandparents or wiping out any racial group cannot be condemned. If there is no God, you cannot say anything is wrong. There's no standard at all. If there is no God, you are actually stupid to be kind or generous. Because you're wasting resources for your own survival on somebody else. I, it's literally true. People have so many Christian preconceptions that that seems like a wrong statement. No, kindness is self-evident. No, it isn't. If there is no God, you're an idiot for being kind. I mean, it's the stupidest thing you could do to be generous. And Hitler and Stalin and Chairman Mao and abortion doctors prove it. That if we don't believe in God, there is absolutely nothing that we can't do. Not, no, much less that we won't do. We can't. There's nothing we can't do. Because there is no morality. There is no standard. There is no eternal truth. And so if we're all just a pile of molecules and thoughts and feelings aren't even real, much less don't matter, and there is nothing that's moral or not, if God doesn't exist, then there is no meaning to anything at all. The fourth answer to that question is that there's no meaning to anything. If you're just chemicals and electricity, you're making up your own experience. Your thoughts and feelings are only brain waves. You can't actually measure objective reality and what anyone else does doesn't matter and what I do doesn't matter. Then if what you do doesn't matter, then you don't matter. There is no meaning. It's all just random physics and chemistry 
atoms arranging and rearranging and rearranging themselves for eternity. And when you die, your molecules will come apart and become part of the dirt, and eventually you might come back in some part of a flower or a tree, but the you that you are imagining you are, let me say that again, if there is no God, the you that you are imagining you are isn't there. The flower that you, your molecules become a part of isn't going to be conscious and have thoughts like you do. You're just imagining that you are that. So your desire for importance is a delusion. Your heartbreak is meaningless. Your search for identity and meaning is idiotic. Your pain is completely ignored by a heartless cosmos. If there is no God. But what if there is a God? What if God does exist? What, what if? If God exists, then creation is immeasurably complex. But it works. And it's beautiful. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. says, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Amen. Amen. What if there is a God? Well, then there would be a creation that works. There is a creation that is immeasurably complex. Just a single-celled amoeba has millions of chemical processes, much less complex bodies like mammals and astronomy, and DNA, but it works. And it not just works, but it's beautiful. If we found, if we'd never had one before and we found a mechanical watch, let's take a watch from Switzerland that has hundreds of little parts and intricate parts inside, dials and springs and levers and such, no one would pick that up and think that it just evolved. Wow, look at this. Over millions of years, these molecules of metal gathered together and arranged themselves and adapted to tell time. It's idiotic. I mean, it's hilarious. But a single-celled bacteria has a million processes, not just 100 or 300 like a Swiss watch. Or, and, and we look at that, and, oh, over millions, of, over millions of years of time, they just came together and Life cannot come from non-life. Nothing spontaneously exists. There is a creator who chose to create. I said there is a creator who chose to create, and the choosing is important. He chose to create. And since that creator is not readily apparent in the physical world, hello? The creator who made the material world is not made of material, That means there's something other than material. If the creator who created electricity and carbon atoms and oxygen atoms is not made of carbon and oxygen and nitrogen and electricity, then that means there's something more than that. And that something is higher than the material world we live in because he's more intelligent than stupid atoms, to quote the professor. 
that since the Creator is not physical, there has to be something in addition to chemistry and physics and biology and energy. But the Creator, if anybody creates anything, there's, there's an owner's manual, or there's instructions, or there's a purpose. There's a way to handle this thing, a reason for its existence. Yes? When you buy your iPhone, Apple has an owner's manual with that. It actually doesn't come in a little book form, but it's, you know, it's there. And if Apple says, if you drop this in the toilet or the swimming pool, it won't work, then that's true. <laughs> right? If your owner's manual of your car tells you to put 5W30 in the engine and you put in orange juice, <laughs> the, the creator knows what they're doing. Yes? You, you must obey the owner's manual. You must stick to the purpose of the designer when you use what he designed. Because he didn't design your Ford to run on orange juice. He designed it to run on petroleum. So if you stick to what the creator says about what he designed then your object works. If you refuse or use it differently, or do, you're going to damage it. So, number one, what if God does exist? Creation is intricately complex, but beautiful and orderly. But if God chose to design this place, then number two, he is the definer of morality and law and love. God is, the creator. If God exists, he wrote the owner's manual on what a human is and how you should treat yourself and others. If he says put 5W30 in it, and you better put 5W30 in it and not orange juice. Right? God is the definer of morality and law and love, and he is the judge before which every individual will stand. James 4.12 says, there is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy, and he will do both. He will do both. If God is our designer, he gets to say what's right and wrong and how to live our lives. So he says, no murder. Then there's no murder. There's no debate. If he says, no hate, you can't hate. If he says, if you have hate in you, you will quit running. Then you better listen to that. If he says no sex outside of marriage, then there's no sex outside of marriage. There is no debate. Period. Everything else is deadly. If he says no intoxication, don't get intoxicated. Period. Ever. By any chemical. Or spirit. If he says no greed, then no greed. If he says yes, forgiveness is required. The owner's manual says forgiveness is required. God gets to give the laws. He's the one who writes morality. We don't get to argue with that. Well, God, that, that's unforgivable and you should excuse me. If he says hard work is required, then work hard. If he says rest is required, then rest. If he says I require you to honor your parents, no one is excluded from that then. If he says be generous, you must be generous. 
He's the designer. He knows what it's there for. He chose to create it, so therefore he gets to write the owner's manual. That's morality. Nothing is right or wrong except that God said it is. Period. The good thing about God is that he's logical, so all of his morality makes logical sense. But it's only right or wrong because the creator said so. If there's a creator who made us to follow certain rules, and that is what we call morality, and he's the one who gets to decide that, if he is the highest lawgiver and judge, then there is objective truth. And when your reality clashes with somebody else's reality, it is possible to know who's right and who's wrong. We go to God. Well, what does God say about it? I don't claim I'm right because I feel that way or because I think it, and you can't either. What does God say? That's objective truth. And the only objective truth there is. But the good news is that we can know what is true. And Jesus said, I am it. I am the truth. There is objective truth to compare your thoughts and opinions to, and when you debate somebody, you can know who lines up with truth and who doesn't. Because nothing is right or wrong other than God just said it was. And, he, and because he's perfectly logical, it all makes logical sense. But, but he's the one who will judge us at the end of time, and, and so I exist for him and by him. And because of him, so I must obey him. If God exists... He created me, he chose to create me, so he can tell me what I'm created for, which tells me how to behave, but it also tells me who I am and why I exist. And so, number three is if God does exist, then you matter, because he chose to create you. You exist on purpose. You don't exist because of random biological processes. The Bible says you don't even exist because your mom and dad chose it. However, that happened. Lots of different circumstances there. That's what the Bible says. You, you are not born of the will of man. You are born of the will of God. So even if some of you exist outside of what would be considered righteousness... Like, I never knew my dad, or uh, my mom just slept around and I'm the product of that, or whatever. You are not purposeless. You exist by the will of God. You matter. You exist by the will of God. Not because your mom and dad were drunk in a bar one night and decided to hook up. Seriously. You matter. Ephesians 1, 4-6 says, in love, this is the Passion Translation, in love he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love he ordained us so that he, we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for the beloved Jesus he has for us. The same love he has for Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. This unfolding plan, your life, brings him great pleasure. 
If you don't exist by accident, just random science or random evolution or even um, your parents' romance, then you matter. You have a specific, eternal reason for your existence. Not just a human and earthly purpose, but you have a cosmic, eternal purpose, why God made you. God is the one who gives you your identity and meaning, which means you don't have to discover it and you can't choose it. You get to receive it. God, who am I? Why did you make me? What is the purpose that I exist? There's only one purpose, the Bible says. It is for your life to glorify God. And here it is, Ephesians 2, 10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are God's workmanship. He, the, he handcrafted you with a specific plan that he has something for you to do. In obedience to him, it will always be obedience to him and love for your neighbor. It's really simple. It's really simple. Finding it might not be easy, but it's simple. He's, he wants you to obey him in love for your neighbor. He has planned those in advance. Every purpose he has for you, every accomplishment, every goal in his mind for your existence, he planned it ahead of time and you just live it out. As you obey, as you stay humble, as you stay repentant, you won't miss that plan. I want to read this same verse again in another translation. This is the Passion Translation. We have become his poetry. The New King James says we are his workmanship. We have become his poetry because the word there in Greek for workmanship is poema, and it is where we get the word poem for English. The, it, the Bible literally says you are God's poem, which is not just a story, but a beautiful story with rhythm and rhyme and beauty about it. It's creative. It isn't just information. You have become his poetry. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given to each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. We are his poem, his poema. God has a specific purpose, not just to create you, but to make you beautiful. You are his workmanship. You matter. And somebody's thinking, well, Mitch, it's a sick God that made my life story. My life is not a poem. He's obviously a twisted masochist who enjoys torturing humanity with suffering and pain and sickness and war and poverty and abuse and death and broken hearts. So my next question I want to answer that for you is, is God good? Is he, is he, is he good? Can we, can we know that for sure? I have two answers to that question. Is, is God really good in light of the suffering of humanity and our broken hearts and war and the whole history of the planet is just, in, it's terrible. Is God evil or is he good? My first answer is that if God was evil, good could not exist. Because you can't know what you don't know. All right? You're raising your three-year-old, and their perception of the world is highly limited. Yes? They are totally unaware of most of what's going on. They haven't had science class yet. They haven't had writing. You know, they haven't had math. You can't know what you don't know, right? So the person who's lived longer and gone further in life and experienced more knows more. So if God was evil, 
good could not exist because good surpasses evil. If God was evil, he would never even know that good existed. Are you with me so far? Okay, so let's use, uh, I got a bunch of silly examples, but let's say there's a person who only knows how to count to five. They know one, two, three, four, five, but they don't know that six and ten and ten thousand exist. I just know five. And then next to them is a person who can count to ten. Yes? I know more exists than this person because they haven't experienced it. In the same way that my son just a couple days ago used the terms applied vector calculus. I have absolutely no idea what he means. When he describes his computer programming classes and his math classes, Sarah and I just glaze over. That's nice, son. That's nice. Uh, I know some basic algebra. I remember a little bit of geometry. Um, I mean, this, this kid's way past, like, calculus 8 or something. Anyway, he knows some things that exist that I do not know that exist. Right? I, ha- I can even have a little bit of a concept of some of them. But there's things that and he knows that I don't even know exist. Right? So I cannot even imagine, much less create or do what he's doing in his math classes. Okay, so my point is, if God is like me, if God is evil, he can't know good. But if God is good, then he knows good and evil. Because good surpasses evil. The tree of knowledge was the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan told him, you will be like God. God knows good and evil. But people who know evil don't know good. Seriously. You've had somebody in your family or somebody close to you betray you, wrong you, break your heart. Everybody should be nodding. You try to explain it to them, and they genuinely don't get it. It's not like they're just lying and denying and fighting you and resisting, admitting they did anything wrong. They genuinely don't understand what they did wrong. Hello? If you know good, you know good and evil. If you know evil, you don't know much at all. C.S. Lewis said, good people know good and evil, evil people don't know either one. Because they don't even know that they're evil. It's like a blind person knows some things, but a seeing person knows all of that and what everything looks like. And a a blind person could not have an argument with a seeing person about what something looks like. Like in the same way that an evil person cannot have an argument with God or a good person about what's right and wrong. There isn't, there isn't an argument because you don't know what you're talking about. So if God, is, if God isn't good, then good couldn't exist. And there is good. So despite war, poverty, child abuse, murder, trafficking, all the problems of the world... There's also beauty and good. There's kindness and generosity and forgiveness and graciousness and romance and family. And for those things to exist, that's what God has to be about. 
because it surpasses its higher knowledge. Second answer to the question is, is God really good? Is it possible that God be good in, in light of our suffering and our tragedies? My second answer is that God has to be good because good exists and evil doesn't. And I literally mean that. Nothing evil exists. Everything good exists. Nothing evil exists. What I mean by that is that God didn't create evil because evil isn't real. Here's what I mean. Darkness, is, darkness doesn't exist. Light exists. Darkness is the absence of the thing that exists. Light is a thing. Darkness is not a thing. Darkness is where the thing is not. God did not create darkness. He created light. Silence doesn't exist. Sound exists. Sound is the thing God made. Silence is the absence of that. A vacuum doesn't exist. Matter exists. And where there is no matter, which God created, then there's a vacuum which God didn't create. It's just the thing he created isn't there. Cold isn't a thing. Heat is a thing. Heat is energy. Cold is an absence of that energy. Some of you like cold better than heat. I'm one of those. I'm not saying cold is evil or that heat is blessed. I'm just saying that, you know, heat is what God created. God did not create cold. It's just the absence of the thing he created. So, hunger doesn't exist. Food exists. The, th the good thing that God made exists. And where there's a problem, it's because the good thing that God made isn't there. God didn't create anything evil, right? Poverty doesn't exist. Money exists. And where there isn't money, there's poverty. God didn't create poverty. So I'm, I'm addressing the question, can we really know that God is good given light of all the evil that exists in the world? I'm telling you, evil doesn't exist. It's where there's a lack of the good things that God did make. Right? Sickness doesn't exist. Health exists. Every process in nutrition and in your body is for your body to renew itself and to heal itself. The fact that you have white blood cells and all the other healing processes of your body proves that God is a healer. And that when our bodies get injured, it's because something happened that shouldn't have happened. When we get sick, it's because something is not there that should be or something that is there that should not be. God created health. God created immune system and endorphins and for pain and all the, all the processes and stuff that he, that he gave us, all the healing plants and nutri nutrients. Death is not a thing. Life is a thing. When a person's body dies, death didn't come into it. Life left it. God didn't create death. He created life. Yes, death is there, but it's the absence of life. It isn't its own thing that God made, is my point. A lie is not a thing. The truth is a thing. And where there is no truth, there is just a lie. And sin is actually not even a thing. Obedience to God is the thing. Sin is, the Hebrew word for sin is missing the mark. If I do it right, I hit the mark. It's an archer's term. I hit the target. Everything else is just missing the target. There's one degree where I can hit the target, 359 degrees where I can't. 
But those 359 degrees could be anything, and they aren't anything. It's just that I didn't get it. So obedience exists, and sin is just missing it. So my, my point is that God has to be good because everything God made is good, and the problems of the world, divorce and adultery and death and sickness and war and poverty, and it's all us missing the mark. It's all us lacking or not doing the thing that God did create. God didn't create adultery or divorce. It's us not doing it right. He created marriage. So God is good. God is the creator. He is the lawgiver. He is the judge. He is the one who assigns your identity and your purpose. And we can know that he's good. And therefore we are without excuse to do anything other than fall on our face and say, God, you are God and I am not. My only logical, rational, scientific response is to fall on my face and surrender and obey. We must believe that God does exist because the world wouldn't exist, it wouldn't work, it would have no meaning, it would be utter chaos and disaster, which is what hell is. It would be utter chaos and disaster without God. Because he chose to make me, because he loves me, because he didn't just choose to make me, he chose to let himself be known by me, and he didn't just choose to let himself be known like, oh God, you're there, but he became a human to restore us to himself. There is no other logical, rational response than worship and obedience. I fall on my face and I surrender to him and I obey and I repent of my disobedience and I forgive others who have disobeyed because there is a God. I invite you this morning to be introduced to him. We would love to show you, introduce you to our God. If you don't know him, he can be found in Jesus Christ. He's found at the cross, which the Bible says is foolishness, but it actually makes all the sense. It really does. That a God who loved us and made us on purpose chose to save us and pay for our sins to restore us to himself because we have, we are the ones who've created all the evil in the world. We're the ones who are unfaithful, not him. He's there and he's powerful and he's good. He's trustworthy and he's loving. You have a purpose. Your life is not meaningless. Even your suffering has a purpose. That He can make something beautiful out of it. He can redeem it. He can bring His kingdom and eternal purposes out of every single moment of our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen.